0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Trinity's podcast for the men's and women's Bible study on the Lamb of God, seeing Jesus in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy.
1: Oh, people are excited that we are back. <laughs> Did you miss
0: me? <laughs> Very much.
1: <laughs> All right. So we are looking through. Um, so this 10 weeks, we're following along in Nancy Guthrie's book, uh, but our goal for this podcast is to be a reading resource. So for anyone who's following along, it would be helpful. But really, we want to unpack this section of scripture to help you uh, read it well. And so we're going to be looking for the next ten weeks at Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, before we jump into that, what we're going to do for this episode is just kind of introduce that section and kind of lay. Yeah, like an overview. So I'm really excited about the next 10 weeks and really jumping into this section of scripture because I I love this section of scripture. Mm -hmm. And you might not remember, but I almost did my dissertation on the book of Deuteronomy Mm -hmm. because there's elements of it I just love. But this can be a challenging section of scripture. You know, how do you feel about jumping in, or do you have any hesitation, trepidation? Excitement?
0: (laughs) I'm I'm mostly excited because this is a passage or a section of the Bible that I haven't studied in depth through Deuteronomy.
1: All right, so our goal for this section is to help us delight in the Word. Mm. And we want to delight not just in the Word in general, but in this, this section of Scripture in particular. So actually read for us Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Okay. So this section is the law. On his law, he meditates day and night. What do you think of you know, law? Is not necessarily the best translation, but what do you th- do? You think there's a lot of people who just delight in meditating on, like the statutory laws of the state of Florida. Like, how can somebody say I delight in, like? Hey, our brother-in-law is an accountant. Do you think he delights in meditating on the illegal accounting code for, <laughs> you know, it's, it's tax season? How, what does that mean to delight in the law?
0: Not that, I would say. <laughs>
1: yeah. So what we want to talk about is we want to, the Bible talks about the law. It's talking about this section, and it's, that's the Torah. but Torah means instruction. So we need to think of it not necessarily like legal code, but need to think more of it like the instruction from a loving father to his children on how they can live well, their instruction. The psalmist says if you want to flourish, you have to meditate and delight on this law. And so that's what we want for this 10 weeks. We want to learn how to meditate and delight in the law. Now, what are some other things about this section that might make meditation and delight Challenging.
0: Well, in Exodus and Leviticus, there's a whole lot of bizarre laws and rules, and then numbers is, is that. It's just a bunch of numbers of people groups, and yeah, there's it's not necessarily the most, like, pleasure-reading uh, section of the Bible.
1: Yeah, it can kind of bog down. There's a lot of just strange laws, so there is laws as part of the legal code that can just be strange, and I've actually picked out three zingers for you here in a minute that okay. will— there, I'm going to surprise you with them. And, uh, and, well, so, and so that can be a challenge. Um, yeah, There's a, like a lot of genealogical material. There's just a lot of uh, material that can, can make it difficult. All right. Can you think of anything else that would make just delighting in this section? So, um, I would the, say
0: another difficulty is there's some really hard things that happen in these first five books. You really encounter a lot of hard aspects of humanity in these books. And so.
1: Yeah, you see humanity. It paints humanity in all of its glory and and difficulties.
0: Suffering. mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so there are some obstacles that we need to overcome if we're gonna delight ourselves in the law. But the beauty of the law and the reason why we want to to know and to love this section is because in this section it reveals to us the heart of God the Father like nothing else. So that's one of the things we'll we'll learn to see. Now for this just kind of intro episode, there's two things you'll need to have in your mind if you're gonna learn to delight in the law. We need uh, a mental map. So as you're reading through it, you'll need a mental map of where you are and where the story's going. Mm -hmm. And then you'll need a mental model for how to make sense of of the commands. Mm -hmm. So let's just kind of introduce those two things, the mental map and the mental model. So when we say, so often I'll either call this the Torah, the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch means it's penta five. So the, the the five books, the five books of Moses. So often, you know, you hear Jesus, he'll say Moses wrote about, he's talking about that five book. So this section, actually, don't even think of it as five different books. You need to think of it as one. One kind of continuous story that's in five different not volumes, installments. Uh, it, it's almost like... Do you remember when people used to have to watch movies on those, like, square tapes (laughs) that were called, like, VHSs?
0: Vaguely. Uh, And, uh, (laughs) you know, how you have
1: some movies that were so long, they couldn't even fit on one VHS. It would have to come packaged in two. So,
0: My favorite one being Pride and Prejudice, the old BBC version. mm. I think we had, like, four of those for the... (laughs) Maybe it was even. I think it was like two or three hours, and you still needed. Oh, I think four there was like VHS. six tapes. In that <laughs> oh, really?
1: One. Yeah. All right. So that's a good. One. So that's not. That's not. That's not six different movies. Mm-hmm. It's one movie spread out in six different, mm-hmm. um, tapes. And so when you think of the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy, and then really Joshua is of part of that. You don't want to think about five different books. You want to think about. It's almost like. Five different cassette tapes mm-hmm. playing the same movie. Mm-hmm. So there's one continuous narrative arc. And when you're reading, you need to know where you are in the story. But the mental map you need to have in your mind, in essence, is the movement um, out of Egypt, through the wilderness, up the mountain of Sinai, up the mountain, in the presence of the Lord, and then down the mountain through the wilderness and into the promised land. So, kind of the mental map you need to have of, uh, is the movement always of, kind of, out and then up and then with the Lord up the mountain and then down and out. And so, the way you encounter the Lord is you you travel up the mountain. He and so, um, and so even the whole structure of the Pentateuch, um, Exodus one through Exodus 18, they're traveling out of Egypt through the wilderness to Sinai. And it's at Sinai where they meet the living Lord. They encounter him on the mountain. And then all the way from Exodus 19 through Numbers 10, they're at Sinai. So they're there in his presence. And then they flow out at Numbers 10 through the wilderness. And then at Deuteronomy, they stop and they're on the verge of the promised land again. And so the whole movement is the movement out of slavery into the Lord's presence and then from the Lord's presence out into the world. So why does that matter? That matters because it's through the structure that the Lord is going to tell you what's important. And it helps you see through the structure what matters because you'll actually see that the vast majority of this book is spent at Sinai in the Lord's presence, where he's articulating and explaining what it means to enter into his presence, because that tells you the point. And so like a lot of the narrative exciting bits happen in really small chunks, and then you have these long bits that can be a little bit like boring or just really bog you down where you got, you got multiple chapters describing the, what the high priest wears and then multiple chapters describing the construction of how they're actually going to put together the tabernacle. And you're like, nobody but an engineer would even care about any of this. Why does God spending so much time on it? Cause actually that's telling you what the point is. The point is coming into his presence. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things let you know through the structure what the point of the, the passages are. And another just helpful kind of tool as you're reading through any of the books of the Bible, any books of ancient literature, often one of the key pieces of the book is put in the middle. So for example, um, one of the most important pieces of the whole Pentateuch is at the very center, the very the middle. And do you know what's at the middle? It's Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement. The Day of, the to- of Atonement is at the very heart of the book, of the, of the whole collection. So that tells you that's what's central. Uh, Atonement is central. So it's not just in the New Testament where the cross and the Day of Atonement is central. It's also in this section. So when reading ancient literature, off to any ancient literature and especially biblical books, you want to look at all right, what's at the center? Cuz often things will build up to the center and then flow out of that. And uh, actually that's not too unlike, you know, our stories now. But believe it or not, I actually heard this past week a uh, English professor was talking about Pride and Prejudice and saying mm. how it's actually at the very center of the novel, the exact center of the novel is the the key dramatic moment of where uh, Darcy first expresses his love to Elizabeth and she rejects him and turns him down. So it's kind of, that's at the very center of of the structure of the book. And so it's that's, that's not unusual, but it's just helpful to think through that. So like for the Pentateuch, Leviticus is at the center. And often I have a very um, soft spot for the book of Leviticus because I I love it and appreciate it, but it often uh, gets made fun of often in Christian circles for being, you know, dry and boring and so irrelevant and often feel bad. You know, sometimes you'll hear pastors and I um they'll talk about people who are reading through the Bible and then you get to Leviticus and you get bogged down and you're like, Oh, this is so boring And uh I feel bad for the book of Leviticus. <laughs> especially given how
0: it's misunderstood. It's misunderstood.
1: <laughs> also, because you think about, you know, like red letter Bibles that have Jesus' words in red. Mm-hmm. You know, we've never seen like a red letter Old Testament <laughs> that has God's words in red.
0: So if there were to be a red letter book of, of the Old Testament, would it be Leviticus? The entire book would be red letter. <laughs>
1: the whole thing. So whenever I do hear people like throwing shade on Leviticus, I'm thinking, all right, be careful because that's all like God himself wrote that. Whole book, And I and know he wrote the whole thing, though. but those are all his actual words from Sinai. Mm. So it should say what's, what is happening here is important yeah. uh, to him. And so if we're going to delight in it, then we need a mental map of just kind of knowing where we are and how to navigate and what we'll do before each book. So for next episode at Exodus, we'll kind of give you the mental map for understanding the movement of the book that really helps just making sense of the story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we're going to delight in the law, one of the things we have to do is meditate. <clears throat> meditate on the law day and night. But the reason why we delight in the law is because it's the law that reveals to us the, the heart of the Father. So we get to know the desires and the, the will of the Father through the commands. So the, the commands are a tool to understanding the person. So understanding the person is the goal so let's so what I want to give you now and we'll I think each week maybe we can experiment with this this is something that's kind of rumbling around in my head that I'm working on but it's a of course three-step process <laughs> that can help us delight in the law because um, and what we can do is take, some of the commands that might sound strange or unusual and say if we actually can put it through this model or this grid, it can and we we think about it, it can reveal to us something about God and something about us in our world that we can we can delight in. So think about it this way. Um, all right, so for this for this grid, there's three levels that we need to think of, mm-hmm. three levels. Um, the top level would be, so I'm calling it something like the DPA. Okay. So top level would be like design. Okay or God's God's design, God's desire, God's heart, God's intention, um, his vision for what he wants. It's kind of the the top level desire that the Lord has. Um the second level, we call it P for principles or paradigms or strategy. Here's the actual principles that he's going to give to bring about his desire. So the Lord in the law tells us what his desire is. His desire is to have fellowship with us. His desire is that we love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the desire. And then he also actually gives principles for how we do that. Mm -hmm. So the way we love him is we worship him in the way that he prescribes. That's why over 30, 40 chapters are all at Sinai where he's telling us about how he expects us to enter into his presence. Those are giving us the principles for how we come in or the, the paradigms, the principles, the strategy. And then that actually works itself out in specific applications of how we apply that in the very specifics of our life. Make sense? Yep. Yep. All right, so you got those three levels, kind of his heart or his desire, mm-hmm. the principles that he gives to accomplish that desire, and then the specific applications.
0: Got it. D-P-A.
1: Yeah, it's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. We'll work on it throughout the, we'll work on that. Um, but often what we have in the law is we only have the specific application But the reason why we meditate on the law is we can think through the specific application to get back to the principles and the heart behind it. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's give an illustration. So we have an alley behind our house and we might tell our kids, you're not allowed to play in the alley. Mm -hmm. So what that is, is that's the third level specific application. Mm -hmm. Don't play in the alley. But behind that would be certain desire, and then certain principles. Mm-hmm. So what would you say would be our big desire? How could we articulate what our big desire that's, that's behind that command?
0: The safety and protection of our children.
1: So safety and protection now yeah, we're working back, or maybe even a bigger desire is that we want them to experience the full joy of play. Mm-hmm. We want them to play. We want them to have a life that's filled with squeal and delight. Um, but so that's the desire. And then maybe the strategy or the principle is that that can only happen in a safe context where they're not worried about being hit by 2000 pound moving vehicles. (laughs) Yes. All right. So now they actually, so that's our desire, our desires for them to experience delight to play. Um, And we want them to do that in a context that's safe because we know that those are going to be impediments to their delight. Mm -hmm. And so then we give the specific command, don't play in the alley. Mm -hmm. Now, what we want them to do is to grow and to be mature as they grow. And then, so if we saw our children playing in the street next to the alley, so if we saw them actually playing in like Tavistock Lakes Boulevard, the next street over, and we then Holler at them. <laughs> and they say, hey, you said don't play in the alley. You didn't say anything about not playing in Tavistock Lakes Boulevard. Uh-huh. We say, all right, you're actually miss. You haven't got the intent of mm-hmm. the command. Like mm-hmm. what we don't want to have to give them is a list of every single street in Orange County mm-hmm. and they say, you're not allowed to play here and then them look at the list and check it off and say, oh, well, this street's not on there. I can play in the 417. That's not mentioned. <laughs> we want them to understand the intent behind it uh-huh. and then be able to apply it in whatever situation mm-hmm. they're in. And it's the exact same way with the law. Mm-hmm. We look through the specific commands given in the law to get at the intent of the father and and then we apply apply that intent to other situations that we're in,
0: and our our hope and our desire is that those desires of ours also become theirs, and so they desire what we are trying to. Yes, so accomplish through yep. those commands and yep. principles and all of that. Uh-huh.
1: So they are delighting in the commands by understanding that. Um, yeah, they 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 become mature when their desire uh, then matches our desire, mm-hmm. they, their desire matches. So I've actually picked out three specific commands, okay. and w- I thought it would be interesting or maybe fun. Mm-hmm. If we <laughs> we'll look see. at that, we'll see. How this goes. <laughs> we haven't talked about this in advance, so this could be a recipe for in marriage Sheer
0: counsel. spontaneous <laughs> reaction here.
1: All right, so we'll look at, and what we're given here is three specific commands, and what I want to do is just kind of talk through together the process of how can we take that specific commands and work backwards to get at the intent in the heart of the Father.
0: Okay.
1: So let's, first one, Deuteronomy 22, 6. Okay. All right, so I will read Deuteronomy 22, 6. If you come across a bird's nest in any tree or on the ground, With young ones or eggs, and the mother sitting on the young or the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You shall let the mother go, but the young you may take for yourself, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Okay, so here we have this command. So, all right, let's say you're never walking through the woods and come across a bird's nest. Does this apply to you at all? (laughs)
0: I know that it does because <laughs> I've heard you teach on this specific one before. But um, my first reaction, if I had had no teaching on this, would be, "Hmm, that's nice."
1: Yeah. Oh, moving on. on. Well, moving on. God's very nice to birds. <laughs> Love that. All right. So, what we all right, So, the specific command and the context is actually you're in a situation where you're traveling. You're 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 walking through the woods. Um, you're 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 hungry. You need food. You've come across this bird, a um, bird's nest, and it says, Don't kill the bird, but you can take the eggs, but you need to let the bird go free. And then, so that it will make you live long in the land. So, what's God's desire? What's the intent? What's this command actually trying to teach us? Now, I'm actually using this specific passage for our volunteer appreciation dinner that's coming up. So, what in the world does birds in a nest have to do with church volunteer appreciation?
0: <laughs> Enlighten us. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. I was hoping you you'd it? <laughs> I was hoping you'd do the work for me. I, I don't know yet. Uh, no, like what this is
1: actually getting at is not bowing down to the tyranny of the urgent mm-hmm. and not having a short-term perspective for your own Advancement for your own, meeting your own needs in the moment, where you then you sacrifice the future for the present. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, if you want to live long and flourish in the land, the bird has already shown that it uh, can survive, it can make it through the different seasons, and that it can be productive. So don't kill the bird and eat it and the eggs, because then, in essence, you're biting the hand that feeds you. You're, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you need to think about long-term sustainability and long-term viability um, of the community.
0: Because if you kill the bird, you won't have eggs long-term.
1: Right. And so the the idea is think, you know, don't give way to the tyranny of the urgent. Don't get trapped in short-term thinking, but think Mm long-term. Now, we think, all right, that's that's. God's intention behind the law is to help his children have a long-term perspective. Um, that's actually something we all need. Um, you know, So many, you know, think about it just in the business world. So many businesses, giant businesses come crashing down because they sacrifice the future for the now. Mm-hmm. They cut corners uh, responding to the tyranny of the urgent, trying to maximize Profit in the short term and they destroy themselves for the long term. There's lessons that are universal. You know, we all need. Mm -hmm. So let's think about this next one. Let's look at Deuteronomy 25. 25, verse 4. Read.
0: The first illustration was a winner. (laughs) Let's try for the second.
1: All right. We'll look at Deuteronomy 25. (laughs) One for one. Deuteronomy 25, verse 4.
0: Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. Anyone read that one?
1: Actually, I'll read this one because I want you to read the next one. Okay. You shall not muzzle an ox when it's treading out the grain. Mm. Don't muzzle the ox. So could we say, hey, we don't have an ox. Well, I don't know. Do I or Sam count as an ox? <laughs> ox. Uh.
0: Sorry, <laughs> That was my alarm to go pick up the girls from school.
1: All right. So we got to make this fast. We're,
0: we're on a time crunch, folks. <laughs> All
1: right. So quickly, do you have any oxen no. at your house? Okay. So other than w- Sam. Other than Sam. <laughs> All right. Moving on. This doesn't apply to us. All right. So that's a specific command. Don't muzzle the ox when it's treading out the grain. Now we have to do some work and uh, meditating on it to extract back to what's the heart and desire of the father. So when, so first we need some context. Um, who would have an ox? When would the ox be treading out the grain?
0: Um, would it be, oh wait, not harvest. What's the opposite of harvest? When you're sowing? Is that, or no. tilling, tilling the grain? Yeah, this is after harvest. This yep. is after harvest? Yep. Okay. So you, you
1: have the ox, uh, you've harvested the wheat. All and, of my
0: farming friends <laughs> yeah. are just cringing right now. <laughs> she knows uh, nothing.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I don't think- I'm your city girl <laughs> through and through. know nothing about farming. That my first direction was maybe harvest.
1: Yeah, it's after the harvest. Okay. You've harvested the wheat. You've collected it into the silos. And so now you're, in essence, you're you're treading out the grain. We're doing, you know, um, it's on the threshing room floor okay. and separating. And the idea is that the ox is is working to separate the grain for you. And the reason why you would muzzle it is because you don't want him eating the grain while he's oh, working. Okay. Um, so... And then God very specifically says don't do that. Don't muzzle the ox while he's working. If he's going to work for you, it's your responsibility to provide for him in such a way where he it's, is if it he's like
0: enjoying the fruits of your labor? Yeah,
1: he should enjoy the fruits of his labor. You should Basically this is a command to in essence business owners do not exploit the people are things that work for you. Mm-hmm. And then Paul actually specifically twice applies this to ministers, mm-hmm. where he said, ministers deserve to be paid for their work because God says don't muzzle the ox. Mm-hmm. So if in essence, if you have people who are doing work for you, and then you're not paying them because you're you're exploiting them. And that's something that God really cares about. He cares about uh, how we treat those who work for us and those who labor. Um, another angle that this shows is how much he cares about, um, in essence, this could be a window into work-life balance. Like he doesn't want the ox working so hard that they don't ever eat. He, he wants them to be taken care
0: of. Mm-hmm. That's a good lesson. It's another good illustration. I like it.
1: All right, let's go to this third one. Tell me what you think about this, okay. so Deuteronomy 25, verse 11.
0: Oh, I see the word wife and husband. Boy, <laughs> Oh Here we go, guys. Okay, so 25, 11. Deuteronomy 25, 11 says, When men fight with one another, and the wife of the one draws near to rescue her husband from the hand of him who is beating him, and puts out her hand and seizes him by the private parts, then you shall cut her cut off her hand. And your eyes shall have no pity. What is this about?
1: Okay, so here's the here's the setting. Now, have you ever been in that situation where your husband was in having a physical fight with another man, <laughs> and you swooped in to rescue him, and nope. you just nailed the guy right where the sun doesn't shine.
0: <laughs> and i hope to never be in this situation. <laughs>
1: all right, so that's never happened. All right, <laughs> so there you go. This doesn't apply to us. This has Moving
0: on. Moving
1: on. This <laughs> doesn't does it apply to? All right, so what is this? This is kind of a strange mm-hmm. law. So let's kind of unpack. Well, let's think about how do we get at the desire? What does God care about here? Cuz actually it's a pretty strong penalty mm-hmm. for the lady. So, you have in essence the context is domestic dispute. So you have two men uh mostly you know you would work in essence in the household, so probably even brothers, most likely, but two men this is domestic dispute, so the two men are fighting, mm-hmm. one clearly has the upper hand, and then the wife sees and then he rushes in and somehow the the one man is vulnerable, and she very literally strikes mm-hmm. him where and when he's vulnerable mm-hmm. all right, so let's kind of extract from that what are some lessons we can actually if we meditate on that what does it tell us about the the heart of the father and then principles for living well um so what are some of your thoughts all right what what are some of the things that this could mean to me
0: so she strikes the vulnerable man or the man who's beating the vulnerable man
1: well she strikes the man who's winning. So he's winning, but she hits him in a place where he is vulnerable, where he's exposed and he's vulnerable. So my
0: initial reaction is that it's justice. She is striking the man in the wrong.
1: Oh, maybe. Well, you're assuming he's wrong. He's yeah. he's not necessarily in the wrong. He's just losing. So he's losing the fight.
0: Oh, so she's, stri- she's striking the man who's vulnerable, the one who's losing.
1: No, she's striking the man. No, so her husband is the one.
0: <laughs> I'm confused. Yeah.
1: Her husband is the one who's being beaten up, so he's Mm -hmm. losing. We don't know who's in the right or wrong. Mm -hmm. It it, it doesn't tell us that. All we know is that she then sees her opportunity to strike the other man and then strikes him. Mm
0: -hmm. So God, I mean, I think it's still a, a matter of justice. I was kind of wrong maybe in placing who was in the right or wrong? But yeah, he's I think clearly it saying to justice. It's an,
1: as, it's an aspect of justice, and he's saying that she, in essence, when she struck him, uh, in a very vulnerable place, that that makes God angry, and we kind of unpack all mm-hmm. the different reasons. Some of it's because of, of lineage and heritage, and she. Um, but a couple of the things you can kind of extract from that and get at one is that God really cares in the moments of heat, passion, anger, when we've lost our temper and we're, we're wanting to strike out to those closest to us, God really cares whether or not we hit them in places they're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, that really upsets him. Mm-hmm. And so now you can extract that. All right, so what are some specific ways? So you might not ever be in this specific situation, mm-hmm. but you can extract from that a principle that could apply to to both of us. Mm -hmm. So let's think about situations in domestic disputes where we learn that God really cares in situations like that, whether Mm -hmm. or not you, in the moment of anger and rage, you strike Mm -hmm. at a vulnerable place. Mm -hmm. So think domestically, like in marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody, it only takes being married about six months before you know those places that you can hit the person. That they're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It'll really strike deep. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, in the midst of argument and anger, and you feel unjustly attacked, you might want to hit them. And we have the phrase, "Hit them, blow the belt." That's a Mm -hmm. low blow. Mm -hmm. Hit them where the sun doesn't shine. That's that kind of phrase. Mm -hmm. And you might want to. You might be tempted to strike. Mm -hmm. What can this command help us do?
0: Have self control.
1: Have self control. Not do it. Not do it. Say God really cares if I, even though I'm angry and I want to really get back at them, don't don't hit them where they're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, you can think in context of just parenting, mm-hmm. how you know there can be times where, yeah, you know, I'm thinking of you know the children can act up in a, such a way publicly that then embarrasses you, and then you really get on them. And Mm -hmm. then you just don't let it go. Mm -hmm. And then they can even be a situation where they're remorseful, they're vulnerable, they're really expressing sorrow, but you just keep needling them, keep Mm -hmm. hitting them, because you're striking where they're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, You can think of times, you know, we've been in situations where there were um, people in authority and employers over us, and we were in a vulnerable spot, and they were upset about it, and they intentionally hit us in Mm -hmm. places that hurt. Mm -hmm. And... This law is letting us know that God really cares about that. Mm-hmm. He does not like it. So if you want to.
0: Even in us contemplating the retaliation of wanting to have mm. them get to that same level of um, of hurting. Yep. You know, yep. after we've been inflicted by them, mm-hmm. even that is wrong. Just having yep. those feelings well up and having to suppress those. I think he cares equally as much about that.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the reasons for the harsh penalty is he he's letting them know how serious even in the moments of anger and passion you can strike in such a you can cut people in such a way that they'll never heal, heal from. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is with words spoken and anger. You you can say things when you're angry that you can never take back. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things this this command is doing is say, you know, be careful. Mm-hmm. Be careful. God cares about how you act in that.
0: Mm-hmm. Way. I think these are poignant examples, Ben.
1: So it so the the idea is that these law by by thinking through, all right, what's God's desire or design? What are some of the principles He's given, and then the specific applications we can get at His heart? Mm -hmm. And so a good framework to think, you know, if you're ever in doubt, His top desire is either love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's always, you know, all can be traced back to those two top desires. Mm-hmm. And then the principles, basic principles, the way he's given us to love him with all our heart is he's provided a pathway into his presence mm-hmm. through worship. So we follow that. And then the specifics can work itself out mm-hmm. the way he, the principles he's given to love our neighbor as ourselves, is that we should express the same grace we've experienced from him. Mm. We'll see that over and over throughout the law. You were slaves in Egypt, so you don't do this. Mm -hmm. Treat these people this way because you were. Mm
0: -hmm. You were
1: slaves, so you should
0: remember, remember, remember. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, good. So the two things, if we want to develop delight in the law. We need a mental map so we kind of know where we are on the journey. It's mm-hmm. taking us on a journey out of slavery into his presence. And then we need some mental models to just make sense of um, getting at the heart of the commands. It's mm. great. All right, so next time we'll jump right into Exodus.
0: It's a great overview. We're excited for these next nine or ten weeks. Y'all have a great week.